guys. <laughs> I'm Betty LaRue. And I'm Vivian Vega. And this is Revolution, Revolution Roses. <laughs> and this is my dog. <laughs> That's a cute dog. Uh, okay, so welcome and hello. Like, how's your week been? Good. I got some sun because I've I been going this. on walks um, and it's been summer. We've been, yeah, we've been going on walks. Mike is actually taking Hazel on a walk right now. We've been going on nighttime walks to help like settle her down for bed. Yeah. So yeah. how um, about your week? You had an anniversary. I did. It was our three-year wedding anniversary. We, we went out. Um, it's been a crazy week. My mother-in-law has asymptomatic COVID. So <gasps> oh, no. she's not ill, but she can't watch Hazel. So for three oh. weeks in a row, we're trying, we're scrambling to what to find childcare. And that's just like so hard. Mike and I both missed work because of it. Yeah. Um, Cause we can't find childcare. Um, so it's been, it's been rough, um, but she's not sick at all. She feels fine. So that's good. Oh, um, goodness gracious. Well, that's a good yeah. thing at least. My yeah. Opinions. So anyways, and of course, like every day, all day, I'm just having an internal argument for pro or pro-abortion rights. So like, that's my brain set. So, uh, because and now it's been, there's like a formula shortage. So it's like, yeah, yeah. So like, this is a good time to force women to have children absolutely. when they can't even feed them. Yeah. To, um, why don't so, you just breastfeed? It's like, well, we can't not always. Some, some people can't. I can't. I cannot. Yeah, you could not. You could not. You wanted to. I wanted to. Of course to. you would love to. Yeah. And I yeah, tried this to. directly I, affects you. Yeah. Uh, so, so rough. Yeah, it's a, it's a mess. It is. A Sorry. Mess. I'm all dried up. Yeah. It's, and I, I have like, I, I know, I know it's, and it sucks too. Cause like, she doesn't have an allergy. It's just, I have to take medication from a stupid brain. I know. So it's like, do I want my brain to work or do I want to breastfeed? Like, uh, Oh, geez. the wonderful choices you have to make in this country. Isn't that, isn't um, that great? Isn't that great? Oh. And then, so with all of this, I'm seeing too, that like European, um, formula is like, mm-hmm leaps and bounds better than American made formula too. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm color me shocked, but anyways, mm. um, I know you have a long episode, so let's I do. So we'll kind of get, get in. right into it. Yeah. Um, let's get in. So I'm really excited about this one. And this was suggested to me, okay. um, by my husband oh. uh, and I'll kind of get into that when we start to get into the story. Um, but like there was a specific thing that happened uh, we were at dinner one night and he was talking about uh, stuff from his childhood. And he was like, oh my God, this was done by a woman. You should totally talk about her. So I started looking into her and she's freaking amazing. And it's another one of these that I love to do. So I'm going to tell you the story today of Roberta Williams. Okay. Um, she is an American video game designer. Oh. Of course he would suggest yeah. a video game designer. Well, okay. It's like, and it's, and it's right up my alley. It's women in male dominated businesses who are actually like 
people don't think of it, but like women actually led the way for, you know, sci-fi for, um, fan, like for all of these like genres and things that are seen as like male, you know, like, right. I did Mary Shelley and I talked about, you know, like Lucille Ball saving Star Trek and like all of these things where it's like, "Mm." and you know, we've even talked about, um, I can't think of the actress. You did her and she did, she did Wi-Fi. Oh yeah. Um, Katie Lamar. Thank you. My brain was saying Marla Dietrich. And I'm like, that's not her. No, but Um, she is a badass. Um, She is a badass. Do you watch Russian Doll? Uh, I have not watched this season yet. She's a video game designer. In Russian Doll? Yeah. She's so, she's, she's one of the most beautiful women. Oh my God. I have to say, like, she's just, everything is amazing. And there is a girl on TikTok who raps, who looks like her. There is a, an artist that I follow that I think is friends with one of my friends. She's like a friend of a friend and she has green hair, but she's, she calls herself, oh God, what is, uh, Namasa, Namasa Leon, because her hair is like moss green. So she's like, that's funny. I'm Namasa Leon. Anyways, so so sorry. Anyways, let's get into your, your Roberta. Okay. So, and, um. So my sources are, of course, like Wiki. I got a lot from Wiki, IMDb, VG Legend, Eyes on Design, uh, High Score, which was a Netflix documentary that's that you can still watch now. It's like a yes, episodic I've documentary. That. I've not yes. watched it, but I've seen that on there. Okay. She's, she's in it. She's okay. on it. Um, and Ken's blog. And we'll talk a little bit more about Ken. Um, and okay. then she was born February 16th, 1953. Uh, Roberta Hewer, and she grew up in Southern California. She was a shy girl with a vivid imagination. Um, she would often entertain her family with stories she referred to as her movies, which I love her. It's very much me, like forcing <laughs> my family to watch all my plays. Um, so she met Ken Williams as a teenager, and the two were married shortly after. Is this Ken's Ken blog? This is Ken's blog. Okay. Uh, and they were they were married uh, shortly after Ken turned 18 in 1972. And I really, so, you know, we often kind of skip over like husbands and boyfriends and we're just like, yes. And this was because it's so often in history, the female counterpart to like large male historic figures are kind of left out of the story. Um, but I don't want to do that with Ken. Um, you and I both have amazing partners. I just celebrated my third year wedding anniversary with like my literal soulmate. Um, and like in some scenarios, when you find the right partner and you find someone that supports you and loves you, your life takes off. And, and this is one of those partnerships. This is an absolute partnership. They are still very much cute. They're still very much in love. In Isn't the that high, the best? It's so cute. And um, in the high score um, TV show in the docuseries, Ken is even like, I just saw her and thought she was the most beautiful, is the most beautiful woman in the whole world. Like oh. it was, it's very cute. Their love story is very cute and it's very much intertwined with what ends up happening. So, um, so of Ken, Roberta, who had been a loner by all accounts, has said, I didn't have a lot of friends. I didn't like who I was. Not at all. When I met Ken, he was very straight, very responsible. He worked from the time he was 12 and was really good at whatever he did. And I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. I didn't want to go to college. I didn't want to do anything but party. He pulled me out when I was ready to go downhill. 
which is just like really beautiful. They're just a very loving, beautiful couple. And like, even now when they're, they're interviewed and stuff, you can see the relationship, you can see the back and forth and the picking. It's really cute. Um, So they have two children, DJ, who was born in 1973 and Chris, who was born in 1979. Um, The couple briefly moved to Illinois um, and I always want to put the S at the end because I'm an idiot. <laughs> it was like, it, they briefly moved to Illinois and I stopped myself, but I just, um, where Roberta was employed as a computer operator. Soon Off after a good their, start. Yeah. Soon after their first child was born, the couple moved back to LA where Roberta took a job at Lowry's Foods as a computer programming working in COBOL. This is not anything I've worked in, um, but it's one of the oldest languages. Uh, By the time their second child came along, the couple wanted to leave the city and fulfill their dreams of living in the woods. And this is kind of like- Oh, that's what I want to do. This is, you're going to love this about them. This is kind of an ongoing theme for them. Like they wanted to be in computers and they wanted to do all this stuff and they wanted to be left alone in the woods. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Like we want to do music Um, and be the center of attention, but also I want to live in the woods. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Me too. Like (laughs) why don't you guys just bring the party to me every once in a while. Um, So Ken was brainstorming like a tech venture, like what he could do to remotely work. And what uh, Roberta was loving video games on the family Apple too. Um, So like she became like a a stay at home mom with the second child. Um, But they had this um, teletype is what they were known as. Uh, It was the Apple II teletype. And a teletype is like an amped up typewriter. So, um, so instead of having like a screen for the computer, it was like a typewriter that was hooked up to the internet. And you would type something and then the internet would type something back. Okay. So okay. that's how a teletype kind of worked. Um, so she, like, uh, Ken brought home this teletype to connect with the MIT um, uh, computer he was working with for his work. Because he worked with, I can't think of the name of the company now. I think it's probably in here somewhere. So he brought home this teletype and it had Advent. Um, this game, which is also known as Colossal Cave Adventures on it. And it was a text-based adventure game. So like you're walking through a cave and you see this, what would you like to do? And then you would just type in like a short response and then the next thing would happen in the game. So uh, like the oldest school, the only type of adventure games that were out right now. So like, if you wanted to see a game that had like a screen to go with it, like Mm -hmm. where you would see something on the screen, you had to go to an arcade and that would only be like Pong and like, I don't, I I think space adventures. So like nothing where there was a storyline and it was very simple, like these 2D graphics and that's all you got, right? Um, so Roberta loved the Colossal Cave Adventure so much and played it for weeks. She's like, I ignored my nine month old child to like play this game. I, I didn't want to stop and like, I, and I didn't want to like make dinner. Like I was just so obsessed with this game. So she beat the game eating, earning all 350 points that you could in the game. And then she was in search for another adventure game, but the market for adventure games were very slim at the time. There weren't like any adventure games out there. Born storyteller Roberta decided she was just that, that the fact that she couldn't find any adventure games meant that she was just going to have to write and design her own. Um, So she took inspiration from Agatha Christie's uh, and then there were none and the board game clue. You're like combining all of the people you like into one person. She's really, (laughs) really, I mean, like this is computer designer, video game designer, and you're, 
sci-fi writer. What? Yeah. She's like, so, um, so yeah. And then she's like, so she takes inspiration from Agatha Christie. She takes inspiration from Clue and she begins designing what would become mystery house. Okay. Um, so in the early days of microcomputing, it was normal for one pan- for one person to handle both the game design and the programming. Normally it would just be one person like working right way on their computer, writing these video games. Um, but her designs were like more complex and her current capabilities couldn't like handle those. So she enlisted the help of Ken um, for some of the more complex code and the new work and kind of invented a new workflow of separation of game design and like, like the design and the coding. So like now this is the way it's always done is like, there's like storyboarding their design and it's actually broken out into more like separate when all like it used to be like all together. Okay. Um, so the couple brought, bought a VersaWrite machine on which you could use, like trace a line. It was like a tablet and you could trace a line and it would convert it into digital, which this is in the seventies. I didn't know they had anything like that in the seventies. It's crazy. Um, so Roberta drew several scenes for the game, but the digital drawings were too large to fit on a floppy disk. So Ken converted the images. Yeah. So Ken (laughs) converted the images into coordinate coordinations and instructions for the program to redesign the coordinations um, so rather than a static image as well as writing a better version of the versa writer scanning software so he wrote all new software to make this game this hobby game this hobby game they they don't have anybody like telling them to make this game they're doing it at home as a family Um, so the resulting game is a text-based adventure with a depiction of the character's location displayed above the text um, which if you ever, if you look at the game, you would totally recognize it. It's like a black screen, white writing, and then like these very rudimentary like stick figure drawings. Um, so the game's code was completed in only a few days. He wrote all this new stuff and they completed it all in like a few days. And it was finished on May 5th of 1980. So this is again called Mystery House? Mystery House. So it was the first graphic adventure game and one of the first games in the horror genre so it was the very first graphic adventure games again the only games that had graphics at that time were things like space invaders so they weren't storylines you didn't move rooms it was just moving dots across the screen so this was the first of its kind and it was the first game in like the horror genre okay Um, so the couple turned took out an advertisement in micro magazine um, as an online, as online system, they named their company online system, which was like Ken's, um, he was trying to become a consultant at that time. So online systems was the name of like the consultant firm that he was trying to make. Cause again, he's trying to figure out what he can do so that they can just go live in the woods and he can do it from home. Um, cause since there's been computers, people have been trying to work from home <laughs> <laughs> because it works guys so much better. Um, so anyways, <laughs> Uh, Ken and Roberta would personally pack Ziploc bags containing a floppy disk and a sheet of instructions, and they were sold at $24.95. Now, this is the 80s, and that was $82.05 in 2001's money. So, like an $82 game. Um, And Roberta herself would even answer the tip line um, on their home phone to assist with the puzzles in the game. Oh, my God. That Isn't is it so, so cute? cute. <laughs> okay, so this brings me back. So, um, and I'll get into some of the other games that she's made, but Mike played a lot of the games that she, she they, they were predominant uh, 
couple, and we'll, we'll talk about it more. Um, but I want to bring this up at this point, because I think this is awesome. Mike said, uh, without even me prompting him or talking to him about the research I was doing, he's like, I remember my mom used to call, they had a hotline you could call to help with puzzles. And I was like, your mom may have spoke with Roberta herself, <laughs> which is really cool that I kind of got goosebumps there right what is that like how how cool is that and how small like was the gaming and I also want to I also want to point out that it's Mike's mother playing this game and it's really important for me to point that out as I go further into this okay I, I well I can just imagine like how like housewives and mothers are like cool I can connect to this well, and it's really, yeah. Like, so let me, let me kind of get into it. It gets, yeah. it gets more into that. So to the Williams's surprise, what Roberta had initially considered a hobby project sold more than 10,000 copies Jeez. through mail order. They're like shoving these into these envelopes and she's answering all 10,000 copies. Like, I got to enlist some assistance on right? this tip line. <laughs> I'm sure. So um, included in its 1982 re-release, they re-released it in 1982 um, through Sierra Venture line, the Sierra Venture Online, which is what they ended up calling their company later. I'll talk to you about that later. Um, They total total units sold were 80,000 units. So just a ton. This is one of the best-selling computer games of all times. I mean, and they just did how it many computers even existed at that time? Right? Like, like every household had this mystery game, which is why I'm saying like, you've probably seen it. Um, so, cause it like starts off and it's like, you're standing outside of a, uh, like a, a, an abandoned looking mansion. What do you want to do? And it's I'm like, lo- the I'm picture looking the it picture. up right now. So um, at this time, Ken quits his consulting job. He's like, screw consulting we're going to focus on making video games. Um, and they named it the Sierra online after the couple moved to Sierra Nevada. So they did get to like move out and they like head to Sierra Nevada. Um, the following year, the company grew exponentially releasing wizard and the princess later that year, which introduced color and dithering, which I know how to dither because I was doing something crazy. Dither is kind of like, it's like dot painting. Oh God. With computers. That sounds ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so later that year, they, they, yeah, they entered uh, dithering and color. They introduced dithering and color and then time zone in 1982, which was 12 discs. Oh my. But the success of the three games enabled the company to hire nearly a hundred and hundred employees by the end of 1982. Mind you, this went 1980. 80 is when they released the first game. And by 1982, they're able to have like a hundred employees. Finally, like, I hope that somebody was able to help her with that darn tip line. Yeah. Um, And I am going to have us take this because I've got some really fun stuff coming up that I think you're going to enjoy. And we're going to break for an ad. Okay. Well, this episode of the podcast is actually brought to you by Promo West Productions. If you are interested in catching a show in or around Columbus, check out one of these upcoming concerts. At A&R Bar, uh, you can spot Spirit of the Bear on June 9th, M-Bar Lucid on June 19th, Slender Bodies on June 22nd, and Foxing on July 22nd. If the basement is what you desire, catch Dwayne on June 8th, 
Marlo Craft on June 9th, Polika on June 19th, and The Stews and 87 Nights on July 29th. To purchase your tickets, go to axs.com or visit Promo West Live for more shows and information. So I found the 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 pictures. I didn't want to seem like I was disinterested or anything while you were talking. I was just um, looking at the pictures of Mystery House. And um, yeah, it looks familiar. I've never played it, but totally I have seen the, these these pictures for oh, sure. Absolutely. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So you're going to be like, what? Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. This is about the time when Jim Henson approached them to create a game adaptation of The Dark Crystal. Oh my God. Before the film's release. He designed much of the game adaptation on paper and it was released in 1983. You shut your pretty little mouth. I knew you would love that. Yeah. I sure do. Good for yeah. them. So she got to work with Jim Henson, who is like just all a of delight. My heart. Just like, a just, delight. Oh, Did you ever it. go to the Jim Henson um, exhibit at COSI? I did not get to go to that. Oh. I'm very sad. Oh, that is very I would have sad. loved to. I always like to like tote that like I'm friends with uh, Toby, who was the baby in yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, the Labyrinth. I'm friends with him on Facebook. He's you know, adorable. he worked on the dark crystal on the puppets on the he new did, one. The new ones. Yeah, yeah, he did. He's a puppeteer like his father. Man. So cool. Man. Anyways. So cool. So by this time, Sierra had cultivated a working relationship with IBM. Um, The Wizard and the Princess was the first game released for IBM PC under the title Adventure in Serena. Serenia. Um, So when IBM wanted a game to showcase the capabilities for their upcoming IBM PC Junior, they knew who they wanted to design it. Uh, the, The result of which was King's Quest. Okay. Now, while IBM PC Jr. was not a commercial success, King's Quest was a phenomenal hit. The game was considered revolutionary for its pseudo 3D elements, becoming the first adventure game to allow the player's character to move in front of, behind, or over other objects on the screen. It was also also the first computer game to support 16-color EGA standards, setting the new standard for future graphic adventure games. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. And she did that? Yeah. That's one of, yeah, she's, she is King's Quest. This is one that, this is the game that Mike's mom would play. And this is the game that like Mike grew up playing. It's not the game that, I know. That's cute. Um, And this is not the game that like Mike brought her up because of, we're still getting into that, but just wait. Okay. So Roberta went on to develop eight King's Quest in total from 1984 to 1998. Among those was King's Quest IV, The Perils of Rosella, released in 1988. Considered one of the most influential games of all time, it was one of the first games to receive a sound card support, one of the first uh, games to support a mouse, so the first time you could use a mouse with the game, and the first adventure video game to feature a female protagonist. So... She made the first video game, like the first adventure game to feature a female protagonist. Good for her. So, well, yeah. Like, 
Yeah, there were like there were women in video games, you know, like but they were normally like scantily clad. Damsels in distress. Right. Like, this I was going to say damsels or, in distress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you had like this castle tower. Right. Like you know, like Princess Peach. Um, right. But like this is an adventure game, and on this adventure, the print like the princess is doing the saving. Man, so, that's so cool for little girls to be like, oh, I can play and I can be right? the hero. That's me. And that's why it's so cool. So so. While some of her peers cautioned that this might deter men from playing video games. Oh God. They might not want to play as women. It was even, um, it was even more commercially successful than previous installments of the game. Um, A post-release survey revealed that most men did not mind playing as a female protagonist. Whereas many females preferred the experience and Sierra received registration cards from the games with nearly 40% female audience, leading journalists to credit Williams with the expanding player base to women because we are a demographic. Believe it or not. We, we are, are a demographic. We do play video games. Um, and so like, that's why it's so important to, for like Mike's mom to have played this game. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to read uh, a really quick thing um, that a woman had written. Dear Sierra, this is a love letter. Pure and simple. I do not fit the typical profile for adventure gamers. I am a 45-year-old woman who works for L.L. Bean as a telephone order representative part of the year and travels with her husband the rest of the time. I write freelance when I travel using my home computer primary for word processing. I love adventure games. Like Roberta Williams, I have always been an ardent reader. I enjoy Shakespeare and Agatha Christie equally well. I am addicted. There seems to be no known cure. I hope no one ever find ones, finds one. Please continue to create forever. Thanks for everything, especially giving me an opportunity to say how much I love you. Forever yours, Elizabeth Hill. You know, I, I didn't think about that. But like, honestly, video games is like, you know, reading a create your own adventure Mm-hmm. kind of book it's like a you know and these adventure games they were like mysteries they were wi- yeah. written for you to walk into an agatha christie novel yeah and that's what it was supposed to feel like and that came across and guess what women like playing video games and by just like she introduced like a whole they had a 40 percent women audience yeah just by representation because representation matters absolutely and Absolutely. like men who see themselves in everything don't have that hard of a time, like getting into a female character. But when females are all just like scantily clad damsels in distress, it makes you less likely to play it as a woman. Yeah. So the 1990 release of King's Quest V became the first game to use icon-based interface, continuing the series innovation in game design. So they're like just first and first and first in all of these like game designs. Um, The game was critically acclaimed, winning multiple awards upon release with the computer gaming world, including it in their 1996, so six years later, list of greatest games of all time. So the fifth one was like the all-time best game, one of the all-time best games ever made. Um, so Williams branched out from her work. We're getting into the good stuff right now. Okay. (laughs) All right. So Williams branched out from her work on King's Quest by designing Phantasmagoria. Wait, I know that one. I'm not even a video game player. You know this one? Video game player. Yes. 
a realistic horror game adventure. Okay. All right. So this is what got Mike to be like, I, he like had this memory of the most horrifying game he's ever played. And one that he still to this day, doesn't think he can go in and actually play and, and like play all the way through. Um, it's really upsetting. (laughs) Um, and yeah, it's, it's super innovative. So as a longtime fan of the novels of Stephen King, she'd often contemplated whether it was possible to create a terrifying video game. Um, she thought it would be difficult to make a truly frightening. So she did game. a bunch of cocaine and right? <laughs> <laughs> so like, so she, uh, she thought that it, the game would be like impossible to be like really scary unless they had like live actors. And so the video game was created entirely in full motion video, which is Whoa. bonkers. Yeah. Bonkers for the time. And like, you look at the video now and it's still so crazy I mean, it, to watch. It's crazy to think about n- like even now, now, now. Yeah. like it yeah, doesn't so happen. Like, right. Yeah. So like you point and click and the actress will like walk to that space. Like it's like being in your own horror movie. That's crazy. Um, yeah. So the script was a 550 page horror, horror story about the character Adrian Delaney, who again, female character, um, a writer who moves into a remote mansion with her husband who becomes possessed by evil supernatural forces. Um, so when the game came out, it occupied seven CD-ROMs. It took seven CD-ROMs. You had to get these seven CD-ROMs. CD-ROMs. Yeah. I mean, Sorry, I just heard it's not a, really a floppy. Weird noise. No, I'm getting scared. <laughs> and they're like, oh no. Uh, oh shit. It was rated My husband's for- possessed. Right. It was rated M for mature and was quickly banned from Comp USA and other retailers, like immediately banned, condemned by religious groups and politicians. And in some countries, it was refused to be classification altogether, uh, which, of course, only made it made people want to play it more. Yeah. Like, oh, this like super duper. This game is so bad that everyone's banning it. And like just to give you an idea of how bad it was, Jessica, why don't you open that link I sent you? And tell, and like, do your best to describe what is in that picture. And keep in mind that this is live. This is, this is an actual person in this game. Oh my God. Uh, Oh my God. Okay. So this is real. Like this is part of the game. Okay. So it looks like a. I'll start with the the nor- the normal part of it. So on yeah. the left, there's a gentleman looking down at what looks to be a living body on a wooden slab. Oh, that's the main character. Oh, that's, that's laying on character. the slab. That's, yes. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Um, I don't. Is is she living on this? Because I don't think. For our viewers here, <laughs> I don't think is she still living because um anyways, there's like a bowl of blood and um a spike of some sort in her mouth. She's I think it's like a horn. Uh, like a, like, okay, she's deep throating a giant horn. Oh like is, she, is she um like beer bonging some blood and guts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so she's chugging she's chugging some she's chugging some blood and guts this is the game that to this day 
haunts my husband. Like he cannot play it. And we'll, we'll put this picture up. Oh God, Mm -hmm. help us on our Instagram page. (laughs) Um, but like, this is, I'm saving it onto my phone so that we can put it onto our socials and boy, am I happy about that? It's, um, (laughs) surrounded by pictures of my sweet, innocent, beautiful daughter. And now I have beer chugging of blood and guts on. Yeah. So like this game was literally very intense in its first week. Phantasmagorium made $12 million. Holy shit. Well, they the, were selling it at $300 of fucking CD right, ROMs. ROMs. So <laughs> making it the best-selling game in the U.S. It was the best-selling game in the U.S. And Sierra's top-selling game to this day. Uh, William recalls this game as her favorite achievement. Like, I love this woman. She's so fucked up. <laughs> I know. (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's that's like, like, how could we make the scariest video game possible? Let's use real people. And let me just show you what my nightmares are made of. That's crazy. Um, Yeah. So in 1996, Sierra was sold to CUC International for more than $1 billion in stock. Roberta like didn't want to do the deal, but like ultimately decided that they should do it because the terms of the deal were too good and knowing that she could be sued by her shareholders if she like failed to maximize their value, which kind of sucks. Like I have to sell my company off because if I don't, the people who have like supported me can sue me for not making them as much money. Um, Yeah, it kind of sucks. The restructuring led to layoffs. Of course it did. Um, And then during this time, there's like a rise in fast paced action, racing, shooting games. Like it's the mid nineties. So you've got like doom and you've got Duke Nukem and you've got like quake. And it was a very like, I don't know, man, I was really stuck on my Dreamcast, So I was playing like freaking crazy taxi and like, Tony was Hawk. like <laughs> yeah, it was starting to be like those first shooter, like hyper-masculine, like, you know, yeah. like all those super hyper-masculine right, right. Uh, games. Right. And she said, she, she said in 1998, there's such a dearth of games for women. Like there aren't any games for women anymore. I've never seen totally. the shelves so empty. Yeah. So like in 1998, like games were like, games are for boys, games are for men. And it got right. like super hyper-masculine and she kind of felt like, felt like pushed out of the market. For sure. Um, so, so CUC was then the company that bought Sierra, um, was convicted of financial fraud, having exaggerated their revenues by more than $500 million in like 1998 money, by the way. Uh, and then Sierra was sold again and there were more layoffs. So around this time, uh, her and Ken, they, they're like, we're going to retire. The decline of Sierra had an emotional pact on Roberta because of course it would. This of was course, like it was her and her husband baby. built this from the, the ground up. Yeah. Um, so it had like an emotional impact on her and they left the company in 1999. And then like one of the sources I had had some really great like things to read, but then the source was also kind of like, and then she just like, shuffled away and blah 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 and like you know she could have fought and like I don't know she didn't fight enough for women's rights and all of this like all of this like stuff you're putting on Roberta. Roberta was a pioneer. Roberta was doing her thing. Roberta was a lot like me um, where she she came in and she was like well I've I've mastered video games. Now what? Now what? Oh geez what is she gonna do? Her and Ken bought a boat like a yacht and started exploring the world on the ocean with their two dogs. Beautiful. Living living full-time on the sea. Love it. Yeah. Ken has, do it, but yeah. 
beautiful. It's, I mean, like it's, it's the next step from being in the woods somewhere. Cause then you're like, no, no, no middle of the ocean. <laughs> no, I can't do oceans, man. I've, I've seen too many scary videos. I don't like it. I don't like the, the darkness, the darkness. Yeah. Well, I there. find the ocean extremely scary. No, like the ocean I is can't do super it. Super scary. No. <laughs> but like, good for them. Good yeah. for them. Yeah. Um, so they bought a boat. They're living full time in the sea. Ken, who is just the cutest, has a wonderful blog about their time at the sea. Oh my God. Um, that's so cute. It talks about, yeah, it talks about the dogs. It talks about building a new boat. It talks about exploring and the general, and just like general, beautiful pictures of the couple being like smiling with a glass of wine on their dog. So they're and, like, still alive. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Cute. So they, so, you know, like they're, they're out on their boat and enjoying their retirement and they're like out there for like 20 years. And then 2020 happens they should be fine because they're on a boat by themselves well oceans were closed why they closed ports they had to become landlocked for the first time in more than 20 years because they can't they couldn't like be out on the ocean and go wherever they needed to go to get supplies you know you can only be out on the ocean i guess i didn't think about that yeah so they they get they get landlocked for the first time in 20 years and like the rest of us they were super bored So Ken and Roberta each began like the pandemic, like all of the rest of us did, um, working on their own books. He wrote the history of Sierra online. She wrote a historical fiction, uh, fictional dive into Ireland, um, in the mid 1800s. And I, where's the name of that book? I want to read it. Oh, it's called Farewell to Tara. And it's set in the mid 1800s during the time of the Great Famine. Okay. Um, So they both write a book and then it's like, and and they only to realize that the the lockdown hasn't lifted by the time they were done with their projects. So like they wrote, they both wrote and released these books in like a year. So they should stop being overachievers is really what we're. And they're like, what are we going to do now? Write another book. Yeah. So one day. (laughs) Roberta stumbles across Ken, who is fumbling around on an open source game design platform called Unity. And I've actually played on Unity. Uh, I would like to play with it more now that I have a bit more of a grasp of what I'm doing. But it was it's an it's an open source online game design platform, and there are tons of games, like tons and tons and tons of games that are released every day that are designed on Unity. So she cornered him and like what's the new game you're working on? (laughs) And he's like, I'm not, I'm just brushing up on my programming skills. Might teach some kids. And she's like, so uh, what, what game are you building? And he mentioned this game and I forget what it was, but she was like, and he goes, and she told me it was dumb. She's like, no, I didn't tell you it was dumb. (laughs) I just, I just said, is it fun? And so like, so she, she like, got to thinking about her husband's decision to play with a game design and like the game he was deciding and she did not approve of the game he was designing and she's just like laying in bed not able to think and then it hits her colossal game colossal cave the game that started it all the first game that she felt absolutely head over heels in love with and it was a text game and <gasps> did they're gonna he create wordle 
No. Okay. I so, was like, oh my God, are they no, the no, fucking no. guys that did fucking <laughs> No. You don't know that story? I'll get into that later. Um, oh. So anyways. No, I so don't the game, know that No, no. Story, she decided clearly. that like it had been done before. Colossal Cave, this game that had like actually inspired a million other games had like it's been redone, but it's not been done by a storyteller like Roberta. So she's going to take that very first game that she played that like really excited her and she's going to make it her own and turn it into like an actual visionary, like a, a visual game that you can play. So the next day after Roberta casually mentions the idea to Ken, uh, he was like, I knew exactly what she was going to do. So he called the game's original designer, Don Woods, and was like, do we have your blessing um, to use Unity and, and build Colossal Cave? And uh, he uh, he kind of pitched it as a possible hit. It's like, we haven't been designing games in 20 years. We were like the biggest name in gaming. And like Unity, like people, people make games on Unity all the time. It's really hard to break out. Like when the market is that saturated, but you're mm-hmm. going to have the name like Ken and Roberta Williams on it. Um, and by the way, when her games were coming out, her name was all over it. Her image was on it. Like they never hid that they were designed by this woman. Um, Good. So, and, and they, and she was like Mary Shelley, poor sweetie that had right. to hide that she was the creator. Right. Um, so what began as a man of manageable colossal cave 3d, like just ballooned. It was, it was like this, like, uh, like anything that Ken and Roberta do, they're like, oh, this will be a fun little project for us to work on. And now, <laughs> and now <clears throat> in 2021, they announced their plan to return to the game development in collaboration with artist, artist Max, Marcus Maximus Nera, who wow. he, yeah, he is like a costume for MMA designer and something else. Like, I think he designs jewelry, but he's like designing stuff. He's an artist helping them and a whole team of programmers and artists. And they're setting the game. Like not only are they building this brand new game, they're setting it in VR. So it's going to be a virtual reality. And it's all written in C sharp. So that is their current project. That is currently what these two are up to because they don't stop. It's like, hey, I'm I'm really uh, I've gotten really into sculpting lately. Um, here's a life size replica of uh, the Statue it's, of Liberty. I'm gonna say it's like it's like being like I just started getting into sculpting. Let me. This is David. It's like no, that's <laughs> not how you get into things, guys. So, you don't get into things and write a freaking Stephen King novel right? as a video game as a very you know? scary video game so um so oh, for heaven's sake and just some of like her accolades 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 in 1995 next generation included Roberto Williams among their list of 75 powerful players in the gaming industry computer gaming world ranked her as 10th on their 1997 list of the most influential people in video games praising her impact on design and adventure games Game Spotlight ranked her as number 10 in their um, 1999 list of the most influential people in computer gaming of all time for pushing the envelope in uh, graphic adventures. I would say um, so. And, and they pointed out that she was especially proactive in creating games with a women's point of view and titles that appealed titles that appealed to the mainstream market. Um, and, uh, in 2009, IGN included her and Ken Williams in the 23rd position at the top of the game creators of, as the top 
game creators of all time highlighting they're together that's real cute it's really cute um the company behind they they highlighted them as the company behind some of the best and most well-known adventure games um computer gaming world induced uh roberta williams into their hall of fame in 2011 um pioneer awarded her the at the 20th game developers choice awards in march of 2020 um for her influential work in the graphic adventure game genre with Mystery House, as well as her role in creating King's Quest and co-founding Sierra. And in 2019, Vancouver, Vancouver Film School announced the Roberto, Roberta Williams Women in Game Design Scholarship. She's still getting stuff. Yeah. So, and her. yeah. And I mean, it's bonkers to me. Like she is literally known as like the queen of uh, adventure games. She reinvented a genre of like she invented the horror game like you wouldn't be playing resident evil or left for dead without people like roberta williams and you would you know like and to it's just one of those things it's another one of those things where like she had even said um and it's one of the quotes that she said is like i think that the gaming industry is probably going to be to remain mostly male and like she's even said it like it's one of those industries that is seen as like, this is a man's industry. And one of the top pioneers in the industry was a woman. Yeah. Who read Agatha Christie. No, I would have had no idea. Yeah. I would have had zero. Would you have imagined idea. that a woman designed Phantasmagorium? No. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't have. And neither would have Marini. Marini had no Marini idea. like, are you kidding me? She said, what? <laughs> a woman designing video woman? games? <laughs> That's unheard no. of. I've never in my life. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. Mike was super shocked to find out that the most horrifying game of his lifetime was designed by a woman. But I, I just love, I love the story of Mike's yeah. mom playing, of Marilyn playing and calling the tip lines to get tips to help because- So what was her video game? Which one was hers that she played? King's Quest. She would have mm. been playing the King's Quest and she probably played the one with the female, like female hero. And here she is, a woman with four young boys being able to connect to her young sons by playing video games with her. Absolutely. With them and like- it opens this whole game. Like Mike and his mom still play video games together. Like she's playing Stardew Valley because he introduced her to it. And I mean, like it opened up this whole thing and a woman, you know, like a mother of four, who's like a housewife and doing this, getting to play these video games with her sons. It was a a whole way of her to connect with her children. And Roberta did that. And it's like a firsthand story about it. Because she was that she was living that. And she's like, no, 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 no. She's like, you know what we need women who stay at home with their children, more video games. Yeah. We don't need to just be sitting here like twiddling our thumbs. Absolutely and I not. highly suggest checking her and her husband out. It's like a little blip and clip um, on the high score game or show from Netflix. Uh, I think it's the third episode. It's their episode about adventure games. And the couple is just like really cute. And what um, is his blog called again? I'm sorry. Oh God, what is Ken. Ken's blog. Ken's blog. Welcome to Ken's blog. Um, the about that is my, the cutest. Like it's really cute. It's a lot of really cute pictures of him and his wife. 
and, and his wife and Roberta. Um, and like, it's just really funny. And it like, oh yeah. If oh you want God. some really Welcome cute pictures Ken's of them. Welcome to Ken. your stinking mouth. He's very adorable. When you find a good partner, when your partner supports you and loves you and like, and like matches your energy and doesn't mm-hmm. try to dull your shine. Yes. This is who you can become. Absolutely. And so I think it's important, you know, we do skip over the men a lot because in history, that's how it's written about women because <laughs> they just get skipped yes. over as a significant other. So we're like, yeah. we're not going to worry about, they've had their stories told. Uh, it's the women's turn. But like in this one, I think it's really important to like point out this really beautiful partnership and this really beautiful love story. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. And maybe I'm feeling, maybe I'm feeling a little sentimental because it was my anniversary yesterday. Hey, you know what? Listen, Casey and I have been together 11 years this year, which is insane, but it's bonkers. It's bonkers. Uh, but yeah, we're still making music together. We still absolutely, I mean, listen, you need to find somebody that you can be artistic with and be Mm -hmm. completely 100% yourself with Mm -hmm. at all times, or it will drive you fucking nuts. Yeah. So I, I love this for them. I love this whole story. This was a delight. I had no idea about any of this. Great. I'm glad you loved it. Uh, yeah. So really that did. is Roberta Williams, who is the Thank mother you. of the adventure game. I loved it. Um, and so until next time, ladies and gentlemen, let's uh, smear lipstick. And raise hell, babies. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> This episode was researched, written, and produced by Vivian Vega and Betty LaRue. Our intro and outro was written and performed by our very own Vivian Vega with her band Electrocult Circus. Our logo is by Amanda Braskett. If you're more of a visual person, head over to our YouTube for the video of this episode. You can also check out images to go along with each episode and added bonuses by following us on Instagram and Facebook at Revolution Rosies. You can send us your art, your inspirational women, and stories about amazing things you have done to revolutionrosies at gmail.com or on our website at revolutionrosies.com. Revolution Rosies is a member of the Loudcat Podcast Network. Loudcat. Nope, it was me. <laughs> 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 okay, sorry. <laughs>